It's time for JT the Brick. So we are open for business again, everybody. I had a dream that someday we'd have a flagship station with the cooperation of the team and the fans that stream globally. JT the Brick. Are we all on board with that? Because if you're not on board with this, you're going to have to enter a mental asylum. If you're not on board with this, it's going to drive you nuts. Jackpot, baby! And now... Here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Hour number two of the show. Former Raider broadcaster Rich Murata at the bottom of the hour. Derek Carr's press conference coming up in a moment as we get you ready for the preseason game coming up against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. 125 start pregame around 11.15. Come see me at the torch. I'll be there with Eric Allen and get in the habit of coming up those escalators. Say hello. We'd love to see you there. The energy to broadcast the preseason game and to start the preseason show from there and then throw it up to Jason and Lincoln Kennedy to start the show. It's really a blessing, and we love it, and hopefully you can make time to do it. I know you have tailgates. Tailgates should get bigger this year as more and more people were comfortable with the format of the games last year. You remember, year one, there were no fans. I'd go to that game. Literally, I was the last person to leave the building. There was one show that no one was in the building. They had to let me out of the elevator. There was no one there. To last year, the revenue and the concerts and everything that went on during those games and the tributes to Tom Flores and Charles Woodson and all the great memories we made together at Allegiant Stadium. We're going to do it bigger and better this year. It starts with the home opener against Arizona. The first game of the year is in L.A., at SoFi against the Chargers, and we have two home preseason games left, Minnesota this Sunday, and then the Patriots game, the last preseason game, which happens to be Raiders Alumni Weekend, and I would urge you to get a ticket to go to that. Uh, I, I couldn't tell a lot of people what was going on at Cliff's party for obvious reasons. Diana Ross played. This thing, Alumni Weekend, is comparable. It's pretty big what the Raiders are planning for these great alumni and for you, the fans of the Silver and Black. So get ready for that. Earlier this morning, Derek Carr at the practice met the media over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Here's what he had to say. Like, uh, this camp, there's been a lot of situational stuff that you guys do out there today was in particular. Um, you know, a lot of stressful situations that they're creating for you, thinking on your feet. Um, how does that help, you know, uh, set the tone for, for what you guys are doing, especially in those situations. Yeah, co- Coach does a really good job of, you know, teaching situational football. It's, you know, uh, that's National Football League. A lot of situations come up, and he teaches the heck out of it. And uh, when we drill it, he makes it as hard as possible. Um, you know, you know, we don't get 19 timeouts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he makes it as hard as he can, and, you know, and, and he knows in the back of his head, he just – you know, hopefully we just go out there and execute the situation and the play to its fullest, and then he's always correcting and teaching, even on good plays. And so, like I said before, he's all about the details. And so, if he he sees one little guy look like this, he'll ask him, "You good?" You know, like and all that. So he makes sure that everything is always going this way, and he makes it as hard as he can out there. So when the games come, you know, you're used to the situation, and it may hopefully hopefully be easier in that moment. At this stage of your career, are you still learning in those situations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. Um, everyone has different philosophies. Um, you know, I've had, um, you know, not being funny, but the different head coaches that I've had, they've all uh, thought they see the game from a whole played out differently. And, uh, you know, some some feel on third and five to do this, and some want this, and, some, you know, and where the ball goes on certain plays and when to take timeouts, when not to, and, um, you know, what we want to do clockwise. Everyone has different philosophies, and so, yes, I'm always learning. 
Um, you know, and always putting things down in my notebook someday if I, you know, want to teach my boys or somebody else, some other young quarterback someday, you know, when I'm an old guy, hey, this is some of the things that we saw and what we learned and just anything I can gain because we got, we got guys that have been in a lot of situations and a lot of big games. And so we've, we've learned a lot from them. Is that the same? Is it the same when they take film on the side? If you don't play in the preseason, is that the same? They always say, "Well, when you're on the sideline watching, you can learn." Whether it's watching Jerry or whatever, is that yeah. like take us through what, what what are things you watch in that new offense and can really conceptualize, not yeah. playing and just standing there? I think the most important thing I can um, that that I think I do during the preseason is, is uh, you know, I'm always communicating with Josh, whether I'm in the game or not. And so far, I didn't play in the first one, and so. You know, when a situation would come up, I'd walk over to him, you know, while, while Jarrett was doing the normal sit down and go through it kind of thing. And I would go to Josh and just start asking him questions and, you know, ask him, hey, when you said this, what did you mean by that? And, you know, we're growing that way too. Um, and so I'm, it's a, you know, training camp, the preseason, all that is a big time to learn and just gain as much as you can to get better, you know, and, that, and that's ways I feel like I can get better is learning. You know, Josh, what are you thinking on this? Because I want to make sure, like I used to tell you guys, the grew. You know, I was like, I'm trying to execute it exactly how he wants it done, right? Same thing with Josh. When you say that, you know, I want to, I'm going to do my best to do exactly how you want it. What is that? And so a lot of those conversations come up during those preseasons. And then when we get to do it, I'm actually, you know, doing it. And so then I can show that it's, you know, clicking in my brain. Derek, as a captain more so than a quarterback, can you talk holistically about the team? What is something that you're really pleased with? Maybe you were concerned coming into camp mm -hmm. that this far through you're really pleased with the team grasping or getting? You know, anytime you get uh, you know new coaches, new schemes, you're going to have new players, right? And you don't know, um, you know, we had such a, you know, over the, the last couple of years, I felt our team was really, really close. And when some of those guys leave and you're bringing new guys in, you hope that you can you can create that. And I think we talked about it in the offseason uh, about this is a time for that. This is a time for learning, and it's also a time to get to know each other and be a team. You know, football is the is a team sport, and it forever will be a team sport. And whenever you can get everybody on the same page, going in the same direction, it just makes coming to work that much better. You know, uh, doesn't guarantee you wins, but it helps you for sure in those moments. And I think. For me, you know, do going through all the changes and all those kind of things, I really give credit to Josh and our staff. They've done a great job of, you know, yes, while changes are happening, doing this with everybody in that room. And and obviously we have great, great guys, you know, on uh, that were captains last year that will probably be captains this year um, leading that charge as well. And, um, you know, you got Max out there just grabbing, you know, receivers, joking with them. you got, you know, linebackers and receivers, running backs, myself, you know, you know other people just sitting at the same – specialists sitting at the same table, you know. And that's the things that you want to see. You don't want to see just little groups, except the alignment. You want them all to be together. But, you know, everyone else, you know, you see everyone kind of mingling around and all those kind of things. It's, it's, it's really cool to see, um, and I'm proud of that. Eric, in this day and age, you have, whether it's a rookie or someone traded the – a lot of braggadocious, pound the chest, coming in with a lot of energy. Jameer mm -hmm. White seems like a polar opposite. Yeah. like a little kid on the first day of Pop Warner when we spoke with him. Can you just talk about, just seems like a special kid. He is very special, and I think that, I mean, y'all probably know it deeper and better than I do, but his story, um, it's unbelievable what he's you know gone through um, in his life, what his family's gone through in their life, um, and to see the adversity that he has <laughs> continually over overcome right he just keeps doing it he just keeps doing it and then to see him get out there in his first preseason game and run with that violence and run with you know that passion the way that he did um you know it, it was unbelievable you know and for me being around him i always challenge him but i challenge him in a different way than i challenge max crosby i'm sure you guys hear me yelling at max or 
he's tackling me with a red jersey on and all those kind of things and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the way I talk to Max is different the way that I talk to him. You know, I'll just come up to him and I'll be like, hey, I'm watching you in pass protection today. And he'll look at me and say, I got you. You know, and it's like that meant just as much as me and Max yelling at each other, you know. And, uh, you know, just watching him go out and work and, and do those things has been really fun for me to watch. I really enjoy being around him. I really enjoy at this stage of my career watching these young guys come in and, um, you know, the guys that don't think they got it all figured out, you know, the guys that just come in and say, I just want to learn, I just want to help, help the team in any way that I can. He has that, and I think that's what makes him special. His high school coach told me that since day one in his freshman year, at the end of a practice drill, he'd, run, he'd sprint 40 yards, where most running backs, it's 10, 15. Yeah. Every time he said, I got mad sometimes because we have to wait for him to get back. Oh, yeah. Do you see that work ethic? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the other day, maybe – when was our, was it Tuesday? I don't even know what day, y'all, I don't know what day it is. But, <laughs> but a couple of days ago, I, I, I challenged the backs too. I said, hey, put some unreal finishes on tape. And like we were in like group run, not even against the defense, and he's, you know, out the gate. And I said, you know, he's got some good ones to learn from in that room that do the same kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, him being in there and doing that, it doesn't surprise me that he's done that his whole life. Eric, if you could have used one word to describe what the season means to you this year, what word would that be? One word? Uh, fun. <laughs> Hopefully fun, you know. Um, you know, football is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be competitive and all those things, but I just want to go out there and have fun with my teammates, you know. And and hopefully we can go out there and win some games. That makes it a lot more fun, um, if, if I'm honest. But at this point, um, you know, I'm not getting into – Competitive champion, like I just want to have fun, and trust me, the work will be done to hopefully, you know, do whatever we can do to win football games. Derek, you mentioned uh, Max. Uh, Sorry. Having, seemed like you were having fun watching uh, Jarrett uh, the, the other day in the first preseason game. Yeah. Uh, especially after he he ran for the touchdown, uh, yeah. celebration with him. He's he's kind of been through a lot the last year, uh, yep. getting injured, not being able to play, being traded. Yep. Has he just been an easy guy to to mesh with and, and kind of cheer for? Yeah, absolutely. I told him he's a five-star dual threat quarterback coming out you know and he laughed and I think that's why we've been joking about that so then when he ran for the touchdown that's why I was laughing you know because him and I joke about that stuff all the time so um, I've been it's been really fun to get to know him um, he's a really nice person I think y'all talked to him um, and I've gotten to know him a little bit but super nice guy uh, you know his wife they got a little girl and um, you know they're they're super great family um, and being around him, it's been great because getting in the new offense, I can ask him questions when maybe the coach is talking to a young guy or something like that. About, hey, on this, da, da. and he's like, yeah, yeah, that because he's been in the offense and it's helped me, um, you know, go faster. You know, having a guy that's been in it instead of a whole room of guys where we're all just trying to learn it together. You know, so it helps having um, not only Josh and Mick and Bo, uh, having Jarrett to be like, hey, uh, what in the past on this play? What did y'all, you know, and that helps, you know, and so. Um, watching him play again, knowing what he went through the last however 400, 500 days, you know, of his of his career and his life, um, I've been through injuries and all that kind of stuff. It's not fun to so to see him get out there and get to play again. First play he's in there, he gets smoked, you know, and uh, you know we we laughed about that. So I mean, just I'm just trying to be so positive and encourage him and um, you know support him, just like I know he will, you know, if I'm in there. You mentioned uh, Max Crosby, and I know he's out there trying to wreck what you guys are trying to do. Yep. Relentlessly, yep. um, do you get? Do you have time to just appreciate how good he's become and continues yeah. to be? Absolutely, and I think, uh, and I think if 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 you were to talk to him, um, he would still say, "I have a long way to go." 
And I think that's what we all love about him. I think that's what all our fans, Raider Nation, loves about Max is he feels like there's still a long way to go. And uh, we all will say, well, we like what we see, you know, and the effort and the, the tenacity, the violence that he plays with. Um, you know, but I think, um, again, knowing what he's went through in his life, and we're still humans, you know, and what he's dealt with personally, mentally, emotionally, um, and what he's overcome in his life and where he's at now, signing a new deal, taking care of his wife and their baby to be and all that kind of stuff and all his dogs that he has. You know, I think, I think that means a lot to him. I think he takes a lot of pride in that. And so um, I'm very proud of him and proud of the man that he is, more so than the football player. Um, great husband. Um, you know, I see him always trying to talk to his wife or, you know, girl, sorry, you know, uh, you know soon enough and, uh, and, and all those things. But I'm just so, so proud of him. And, and when he came into who he is now, it's really cool to see. Hey, we're going to work our way back. We're going to go to Sean, Levi, Adam, Alan, Paul, Chris. All right? That's how we're going to do it. Y'all okay. remember that? Y'all remember that? Yeah. It's like... Games a few times. Yes. Yes. Regardless of what the, the intricacies of the scheme are, what, what sort of approach and process have you come with, come up with for yourself when it comes to just learning this game? Like, what's your, your initial kind of onset when I'm learning this and eventually getting better with it? It is like a full dive into what does this playbook say? You know, because I can, you know, I, I need to get on the same page as Josh, like right now. You know, as soon as he's a coach, boom, I got to get on the same page. And so it's a complete dive into that. And then as I'm going through it and working through it, I can hey, is this like I ran this in the past because he's watched all my film. I'm like, hey, we ran this against, you know, Tampa Bay. Yes, that's just like that. You know, and, and so are you good if my eyes do this, you know, and all that. So I, it's just a complete dive into that. And I have a, one of the best athletes of all time to watch on film running the offense, you know. And, uh, you know, and Tom, like what a gift that is for me to be able to watch and see his eyes and see the shoulder movements and the little details, not just not just running the football play. You know, there's a lot of guys that can go draw it on the board. You hope, you know, you can draw it on the board. But, you know, the little details, the little shoulder movements that you get comfortable in when you've been in a system a long time, you know, and learning that and trying to take that step and doing those things. And so um, it's just a complete dive into that. And then if I can draw back to help it make sense in my mind, I do it that way. You're talking about how you've gone through a lot of coaching schemes, a lot of players going into your ninth season, you've basically seen it all. Is there something you can pick out from this training camp potentially that you haven't experienced so far in your career? Um, uh, that's hard. Um, you know, I think I think just one thing that stands out, it's not that it wasn't happening before, um, but one thing that they really emphasize is just the details of everything. Like, Josh doesn't miss anything, like, with anyone on the team, not just the offense, you know, like the footwork, the fundamentals, the – all those kind of things, the way it showed, the drills, you know, and all that kind of stuff, like the, the details and the depth that he goes into, uh, he's fully submersed in football, you know, and not just on the quarterback, not just on, you know, the receiver, not just on the, the offense, but the whole team, special teams. Like he knows every detail of everything being said in that built in, in our building. And I think that's special. You know, that's, that's really, um, I would say his, his greatest, strength is that he he literally knows every detail of every assignment i'm sure he'll tell you he makes mistakes but you know I, to me is that that's been really impressive to me 
It's, it's been a little bit since we saw uh, Darren out there. Are you guys at a point where preseason or training camp reps don't matter that much for you two, or is there going to be some catching up to have to do when he's out there? Well, I think if I'm honest, I think they always matter. Um, you know, but there is definitely a comfortability um, in, in the chemistry, the timing. Um, you know, throw it five yards more in front of Darren because he's so fast. You know, that kind of thing. In uh, there, there definitely is that. I never want to say that we have it. You know, I don't ever want to say that um, because I think that there's stuff that him and I can always grow in. But I have thrown him, you know, two, three hundred balls in games and you know, thousands beyond that in practice. And so there, there is a workload there, um, so that when he comes back out and and all that kind of stuff, it just it's it's uh, it's normal. You know, uh, that kind of thing. Derek, uh, you're back in Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. You have two years under your belt in the in the building. Can you talk a little about some of the distinct nuances or interesting things about the building that have caught your attention and what you're looking forward to seeing back in the building? You know, I was a rec major. I didn't do the architect thing. Uh, you know, I I think what I love is that it's all black. You know, I think that's what our stadium should be. You know, everything is black everywhere. Um, I also love, you know what I do love is uh, I took my wife and my kids on the tour uh, when it, we first got here or whenever that was, and just the, the tributes to the, the former players all across the walls, and that's the Raiders, right? Like, once Raider, always a Raider. And, you know, Mr. Davis um, has always said, you know, has always taken care of, like, former players. And I think that's super cool, like, when they get to come back to a game, like, see Wood sees his face up there, or, you know, different guys see their face and their number and their families someday can come to the stadium and, hey, man, that was my dad, or that was, that's my grandpa, you know, or that kind of stuff. I think that's super cool. And that's what makes this organization special is it's always a family. You know, I still talk to, you know, George, you know, every day. You know, I see George, I, see, I talk to Charles all the time and, uh, you know, countless other guys. Bill Romanowski, just talked to him. Like, it's so cool, just like, it's almost like that, it's almost like that college feel, you know, where the, the older players, you know, they're, they're still always a part of it, you know. And I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but I know that here it's a special place. So I do like, I do appreciate that about our stadium. Derek, from, from the outside looking in, adding Devontae to, to Hunter, to Darren, yep. to Josh, it would seem like, well, you've got all the shiny things you need. Yeah, right. You pull back. How important really is then what the offensive line can do to what you guys want to accomplish? Yeah, absolutely. And that, um, I love giving those guys credit. I love talking about because they don't get it, you know. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Paul, like for them, you know, it's exciting for them to add those guys because then they take pride in, like, all right, let's make it happen. You know what I mean? Like, let's help them out, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's cool to see, you know, as a team kind of thing. And so it's vitally important. You know, you always want to win the line of scrimmage in football. And so um, we got to be able to do that. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can do that. And I have full trust and belief in those guys. I always do, um, you know, that they can do that. And hopefully I can, you know, get the ball out when I need to, make make somebody miss when I need to, all those kind of things to help them if I need to. But, you know, I, I'm proud of those guys. But, yeah, we you always, you know, you, you count on winning the line of scrimmage, especially in this league. you got to win the line of scrimmage because there's so many good defensive fronts that can just ruin a game no matter who's on the outside. Derek, I was just curious how, it's no secret, the struggles in the red zone in the past, how maybe this new regime – a different role, different attack, different maybe roles for different players. It's kind of the difference in the in that third zone or uh, red zone offense. I mean, I'm sorry, red zone. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we're working at it. I can tell you that. You know, and Josh has a plan, which uh, I will not unveil. Uh, <laughs> you know, at the mic, um, uh, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, but you know, I think that one thing I do know is that it's being taught, it's being coached, 
um, and our guys are learning it and executing it. And that's, you know, just being honest from practice. You know, it's it's something that's emphasized, um, you know, all the time. It's something that we emphasize in the spring, emphasize now, and um, you know, it doesn't guarantee again that we'll have that success. But we got to go do it in the games, and so we're working to get as clean on that as we possibly can, so that when the games come, that we can be more productive. Derek, uh, Devontae is always going to make plays. From your vantage point, what is that battle between Devontae and Nate like? Oh, man, they've been going at it. And um, everybody knows how I feel about Tay, you know, just as being one of my best friends, you know. But, you know, Nate, I, I told him all the time, I tell him, I'm so proud of you, man. Keep working. Keep going. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that's been over to my house a couple of times. I've been able to talk to him. He's been able to share with me in his life and his journey and all this kind of stuff. And his mom is great, too. Shout out. Um, you know, um, but I, I think watching watching someone when when Devonte walks up in a one on one, right? Nate's like, I want the rep. You know, you know, like you know, he's not backing down. He's like, I want that challenge. You know, if it was up to Nate, he'd guard everybody. You know, he want, and I think that that's what you want out of a DB. And it doesn't matter. You know, you guys have been at practice. If Devonte makes a play or whatever, then boom, Nate's like, I don't care. Next play, and then boom, he'll knock one down. And and that's the competitive uh, spirit that you hope happens on your team. You know, you never want, uh, you know, people's confidence. I mean, if I was guarding Tay all the time, my confidence would be shot, you know. <laughs> you know, but these, these guys, you know, keep competing, and Nate is always, you know, all right, here I go. He's going to get right back in his face, and he's going to cover him and uh, do his best. And that's one thing I love and respect about Nate, and I think that he's flashed a lot of talent um, and ability. So hopefully it translate into this, translates into the season for him, and he can have a good year. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. That's Derek Carr. That was a really good press conference. Wow. And I've heard them all with Derek pretty much and very comfortable there for 18, 19 minutes of him talking about every topic. Stidham, as we know, is someone in that quarterback room. I love what we're hearing about red zone offense. He can only tell us so much. They won't tell us much in the way that Josh McDaniels is coaching the entire team. So I thought that was a really good deep dive from Derek Carr on exactly what he's dealing with. And Derek hasn't had it easy. Not that everybody has it easy in this league. Some guys have it really hard. But if you have the same coordinator for eight or nine years or the same position coach for six or seven years, you get a comfort. He's never had that. Uh, John Gruden and him really connected well together because of Gruden's vision of offense. Now Josh McDaniels comes in, younger with his vision and the success he had with the Patriots, and Derek has to absorb all of that after being a guy built up with the Gruden offense for four years, which had a lot of good attributes to that offense too. So it's overload offense for Derek Carr. It really is tremendous. Someday someone's going to write a book about it, and hopefully it'll be Derek's book, and he'll talk about all the coaches and the offense that he learned because the offensive coaches that have worked with him tell you how incredible he is at the line of scrimmage and how he absorbs all of this knowledge we're brought to you and that press conference brought to you by Remy Martin team up for excellence. The VSOP mixtape volume two at RemyMartin.com. The perfect spirit for all occasions, neat or on the rocks. Remy Martin VSOP coming up next. Rich Murata uh, is a really interesting story and a great friend. He founded the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, which is one of the greatest Hall of Fames ever to start. I mean, they, they inducted Ali and Mike Tyson and George Foreman right out of the gate. And everybody started watching this. They have their gala coming up at Resorts World. But what's really cool also about Rich was Rich was the color commentator in 1982 
Uh, and he did that through 1993 with Bill King. And he worked with Bill King and did preseason play-by-play on TV when the Raiders moved back to Oakland. He did pregame and postgame, which I'm doing now and I've done for years. He did it with Jim Plunkett. So Rich is a guy who's had a really big career, massive career, boxing analyst for some of the biggest fights of all time, and a deep connection with the Raiders, great friend. And I got an event coming up here in Vegas, which I really want to help him get people out to because it's always a blast. We'll have Rich coming up next. If you want to get through, you haven't been able to get through today, we're open the rest of the show after Rich, 702-365-9200. And the MLB Field of Dreams game is tonight. And it looks damn good at that Iowa cornfield. Cincinnati Reds are in the old throwbacks of the 18-1900s. Wait till you see these uniforms. Can't wait to see that. Last year was unbelievable. White Sox-Yankees ripped my heart out. That game is tonight, and it's going to be a big one. Ladies and gentlemen, referee Herb Dean has called a stop to this contest at 40 seconds of the very first round. Declaring the winner by TKO, the notorious Connor McRaeger. JT, oh, Rich Murata and I are boxing guys, but always good to hear. A buffer call on Conor McGregor. Rich Murata, the founder of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame with deep ties to the Raiders, joins us. Rich, I hope you're having a fabulous summer. I always enjoy our conversations. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm great. Thank you, JT. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, you're right. My love for the Raiders knows no bounds because uh, I had some great years, which I was able to spend with them. Let's get this. I'd like you to do it justice than me. Tell me about your years with the Raiders, how many years, and your role with Big Bill King, and then what you did with Jim Plunkett up in Oakland. Yeah, well, when they were in Los Angeles, basically, they moved to L.A., and uh, what they did was put together a broadcast team that would bring uh, the tradition and history of the Raiders and, and, some, and add something new. Well, the tradition and history of the Raiders on the air was certainly the great Bill King, legendary broadcaster, and uh, the new part was myself. So I became, uh, I became Bill's uh, 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 analyst, color man, and we were together for the next uh, 11 years while all the years that the Raiders spent in Los Angeles. And then uh, when the Raiders moved back to Oakland, I did the uh, pregame and postgame talk shows from uh, Ricky's over in Oakland uh, with Jim Plunkett, and that was a lot of fun too. That is incredible, especially the Ricky's aspect of that. Let me ask you this, because the Raiders just got a new play-by-play voice in Jason Horowitz, and that's a huge job because it falls in line with the history going back to Bill King. What was it like for you getting that gig? I mean, there's a lot of football players living in L.A., retired football players. That opportunity comes due not only to be the, the analyst, but to be the analyst with Bill King. And I'm, I'm assuming Mr. Davis, who makes all those decisions. And back then, you know, Al Locasal and everybody in the room at that time. What was that like getting that gig? Well, it was it was pretty unbelievable. You know, it was my great fortune that the uh, that the Raiders were moving to KNX Radio in Los Angeles, where I had been the sports th- director, and uh, and uh, it was suggested by our general manager. So 
uh, I went up and met with uh, Al Davis and, and with Bill King first, and Bill had to kind of give his seal of approval. The only uh, football um, uh, color work that I had done previously had been to do college football for the Air Force Academy, and uh, but I had been also the color man on radio and TV for the Los Angeles Kings of the National Hockey League. So I had that experience in Los Angeles. And uh, first, Bill, after we had a great conversation up at training camp in Santa Rosa, uh, he was good with it, and then I met with Al Davis, who was probably the most unbelievable uh, uh, man that I've met <laughs> during the wow. course of my broadcast career, and uh, and Al signed off on it. So it was my great fortune to move into that position. What an historic moment for you at the time. Uh, Rich Murata, Emmy Award-winning Hall of Fame sportscaster, founder of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. So then your work with boxing, from Barry Tompkins to all the other blow-by-blow mans you worked with over your career. Tell everyone how you made the uh, transition from hockey and the Raiders and then became one of the most recognized voices in boxing. Well, you know, for some reason I was able to carve out this niche as as not a professional athlete, a former professional athlete in any sport. I ended up doing uh, color work, radio and TV for the Kings in hockey, for the Raiders in football, for the L.A. Clippers I did four years um uh, in in the uh, nba and that kind of carried out onto uh boxing as well so i started to get uh, positions that were not just the color but also the uh, blow by blow that i would do on various uh, uh networks on prime ticket on uh, fox uh, sports net i was uh, hired by forum boxing to be their analyst uh, with tom kelly on those shows on tv so um, it's been an unusual niche for someone like myself who did not have an athletic background other than to be a great student and studier and enthusiastic supporter of sports. Rich Murata is our guest. It truly is an amazing broadcast story. So the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, you and I have been friends for a long time. When you founded this and launched it, I told this to you on the radio and everybody who knows about this unbelievable event and Hall of Fame that you nailed it. You were one of the only guys and your team said, we're going to go in year one, and we're going to induct the greatest names. We're not going to wait till year six or nine or 11. You came right out of the gate, guns a-blazing, and these iconic boxers who moved on in life and always won a swan song, always want to put on a tuxedo, started coming back for this honor. Tell us about your vision and where the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame is today. Well, you know, it was a, it was a big surprise that, that to me that there wasn't a Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, given the state and Las Vegas uh, in particular, uh, you know, considered the, the boxing capital of the world. So this is something because I had had a close relationship with a lot of fighters over the years that I developed in broadcasting their fights. And I thought, you know, this is going to be a, a great thing because this is going to be a chance to once again honor those great names of uh, boxing who have contributed so much to uh, the sport, to the fans, the fans' entertainment, and some unbelievable nights and contributed, you know, to basically, you know, as well to the economy of Nevada. I mean, mm-hmm. it meant a lot, the, the, the uh, sport of boxing in the state of Nevada. So we went about and, and we figured that uh, JT that we had to come out of the gate big because it was uh, we considered coming out small, you know, maybe mm-hmm. having a luncheon and that, and that kind of thing, but uh, we couldn't do it. We had to come out big and uh, we did with the very first year when we had uh, you know the likes of Mike Tyson and Larry Holmes and Sugar Ray Leonard and Mike McCallum and Diego Chico Corrales, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, Oscar De La Hoya. These were all guys uh, who who fought many, many times in uh, Las Vegas and throughout the state of Nevada, made their mark, and they were amongst our first honorees. 
We we started at the Monte Carlo Hotel and mm-hmm. uh, moved uh, to the Tropicana and then to uh, Caesars and uh, you know this year we're at uh, Resorts World and we've had a we've had a wonderful go of it but we haven't had a you know since 2019 because of uh, the COVID uh, pandemic we haven't had a uh, an induction gala since then so we are anxious to have a trilogy event this year with three inductee classes going wow. going in this year at Resorts World. Rich Morata, we are proud partners of Resorts World. That's why this is such a perfect fit for us from the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. So who's coming into this class? And tell me about securing Resorts World, because every time I go over that to that place, I'm just blown away by the magnitude of it, the beauty of it, and the size and scope of it. And now the fact that you have Resorts World behind you should make the event even more glamorous. Well, yes, you know, we were we were looking to uh, we wanted to definitely be on the strip and Resorts mm. World seemed to fit perfectly because it was brand new. It, it's this massive uh, undertaking. And uh, we knew we had a massive undertaking this year trying to put three classes together into one. So Michelle Corrales uh, Lewis, uh, mm. our, our president of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame now and the vice president, Anthony Randolph, met for a long time with Resorts World. They were talking. Resorts World was enthusiastic to to uh, back uh, the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame in this uh, effort to bring us back after a couple of years uh, out of commission due to the uh, mm-hmm. due to the COVID pandemic. And uh, that was big for us, to get a place like Resorts World. And I'm like you. The first time I walked in there, I kept, I, I just said, I can't believe this place. I can't believe it. I mean, it, it, it is so fantastic. And we're going to have a, a boxing event there, too, as part of our weekend yes. activities. We're going to have a, uh, an amateur boxing program on Saturday morning, the day of the induction uh, uh, gala. So there's going to be a lot going on. I'm really happy to be partnered with uh, Resorts World. And, uh, gosh, I'm you know, we've got uh, confirmations from so many people, not just inductees but great champions from around the country are going to be coming in and being part of the event for us rich Rich Murata as we wrap it up so rich a couple of boxing topics canelo triple g coming back and that is massive because it's the night before the raiders home opener and you know being there for the first fight and you know thinking it was a draw and now canelo just had a recent loss and triple g is one of the greats of all time in any era but he had a problem with canelo why should everybody appreciate this fight? They're two great warriors, but obviously Triple G a little bit older, a lot older than Canelo, and Canelo coming off a loss. How excited are you for that fight here in Vegas? Well, of course I'm excited because it is two great fighters. You yes. know, I mean these are two these are two all timers. There's no there's no question about it. Uh, you know that. The fact of the matter is, I, I thought uh, you know Triple G won the first fight. Mm-hmm. Second fight was very close, I, but I still had uh, tri- Triple G edging the fight. Um, uh, but uh, you know the, thir- the third fight, you know Triple G seems to have slipped a little. Canelo has uh, you know developed, but the last fight put a you know mm-hmm. a little bit of a damper on on uh, on what he's accomplished uh, so far. Not much, but you know because he was stepping up so far in in, in weight. So it's, it's the fact that it is two great fighters, and, and if Triple G is not in his prime anymore, you know many times, as you know, JT, there's these great fighters will suck it up for one big yes. final. Uh, you know, effort, right? And they will summon all of the greatness that they had in the past and make it uh, and put it on display. And I suspect that, uh, you know, Triple G is going to be very much ready for that fight. Rich Morata, as we wrap it up, the founder of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. So Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence could be the greatest fight 
that we could ever see. It has a chance if they could pull it off. And a two-part question. First, that fight, if it happens, it's the biggest fight in well over a decade. I think it's a more competitive fight than any fight that Floyd had because Manny Pacquiao was a bit injured in that fight. But why is it so difficult for promoters, and you know most of them, to make fights, especially this one, Rich. I understand there's two competing uh, broadcast partners that represent the fighters there, but they almost played these guys out of their prime. Crawford and Errol Spence, we should be talking about their trilogy and maybe the best battles of all time, and we're still waiting on the first fight. Yeah, I, you know, I do think it will happen. And, and what's happened here is I do think the two fighters want it to happen, which is basically a lot of times fighters will go along with the promoters and, uh, and, uh, you know, some of these great fights do not even take place. They don't even happen. But, but uh, this one, I think they both at this point want it to happen. You know, there's both in their primes. So it's beautiful. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, it's one of the biggest fights, you know, it reminds me of Oscar and Tito Trinidad when they got together. If you go back Frazier and Ali, when they, you know, when they got back to get, when they got together uh, at first, there was, it was great mystery about what would happen when they got inside the ring. Uh, it is a shame that the, you know, the broadcast mm-hmm. situations and promotional disputes and squabbles, et cetera, have led to some of these fights not being made, but I truly believe this one is going to be made. And I think it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be way over the top in terms of uh, uh, promotion. And I think the fight will deliver too when they finally get into the ring together. Yeah, I think it's got to be at Allegiant Stadium. I predicted that first, and I'll stay with it. They can put it at T-Mobile. They can put it anywhere. They can put it in a back alley. But that that is the fight for Allegiant Stadium in my mind. It would be a sellout. Jerry's going to want it in Dallas for a sellout yeah. at Jerry's World. The Garden's going to want it in New York. And I just hope that it comes to Allegiant Stadium. Rich, tell everybody about the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, the gala, how to get tickets. I want everybody to go to this to experience what I have in the past for a great night in a gala for boxing. Yes, and thank you, uh, JT. And we will have an all-star cast of inductees, including Floyd Mayweather and Roy Jones Jr. And uh, James Lights Out, Tony Michael Nunn, uh, Jose Luis Castillo, uh, Israel Vasquez, uh, Kennedy McKinney, Iran Barkley. I mean, just so many that are going to Fernando Vargas right there from Las yeah. Vegas now. M- Miguel Cotto. These are all guys that are going to be going in to our Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. The trilogy, as we're calling it, August 26th and 27th at Resorts World in Las Vegas. For tickets, you can go right to our website at nvbhof.com for Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame.com. nvbhof.com. And hope to see you all there. It's going to be a great weekend of activities. This will be one of the best weekends for boxing fans, for sports fans, to tie it into Resorts World. Rich, good to see you. I'll see you before that. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Okay, okay. thanks so much, JT. Really appreciate it. Rich Murata, partners for 11 years with Bill King. I didn't have enough time to talk about Cliff Branch. We'll save that for another conversation for the games that he was able to call Marcus Allen and all of that. And a lot of people don't don't forget, Rich, but if you're in Oakland or if you're in Vegas now, you know, you think of Bill King, well, he had a partner, and Rich Murata was that, and he bleeds silver and black, but he's so good when it comes to boxing, and really, this is a great event. Think of this, everybody. That's the weekend of the Patriot game. You go to the Patriot game here, the preseason game, and then you get dressed, you go to Resorts World, you go to this event, or you go to the after hours or the party, and everybody there in the lounge, and all those boxers are going to be there. If you're a boxing fan, please attend. It's going to be that good. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Some final thoughts as we get ready. Harry Ruiz in for me tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm excited to see my buddy Matt Millen. 
He's in town to call the game with Beth Mullins and Rich Gannon. Jason Horowitz will be on the scene at practice and at camp. Lincoln Kennedy and my partner. Man, I pinch myself when I say that. My partner, Eric Allen. And Eric will be with me at the torch on Sunday. As we keep it going right here on the flagship of your Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. I don't see any benefit to it. I definitely don't see any benefit to playing one series. You know, if we're going to play, we should play. And play a quarter, a couple series, two or three series. If we're going to just suiting up for four plays, to me, is a waste. I think that's kind of a no-win situation to the outside the building. And if somebody gets hurt, oh, I can't believe they played our guys. But if we go out and have a stinker, I can't believe they didn't play them. I think it's just you just got to do what's best for, for the squad. Yeah, that is, that's not going to change. That's Aaron Rodgers. He's the MVP, four-time MVP. He doesn't want to play a series. If you're going to play him a quarter, you're going to play him, he'll play. But he, it's, he says it. He just said it. It's a waste of time if they don't get an opportunity to play. And as we get to know Josh McDaniels, we'll find out what his system is going to be for having guys play. We saw Josh Jacobs. That made national news. It made national news that Josh Jacobs played. It was fine. He ran hard. Will he, will he run him again? Will Zeus get more touches? Don't know. Will Devontae play? Doubt it very much. You know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Devontae, Darren Waller, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. Those are six players that I just mentioned that are all stars at their positions, and they need to be healthy coming into the first game of the year. Uh, The NBA, uh, breaking news. Bill Russell's number six is going to be retired across the NBA following his death. I support this move. I had a chance to spend time with Jim Brown over at the Hall of Fame. I paid respects to Jim about the passing of his good friend Bill Russell. The NBA will honor the legacy of Bill Russell by retiring his number six jersey for all 30 teams. They announced that today. Russell becomes the first player in NBA history to have his jersey retired league-wide. Additionally, all NBA players will wear a commemorative patch on their right shoulder of their jersey during this upcoming season, and every court in the NBA will display a shamrock-shaped logo of Russell's number six. So this is really cool, and he deserves it. Bill Russell was a pioneer with civil rights, athletic civil rights, and in the world of civil rights. That's why this is happening, on top of him winning 11 NBA titles and the greatest winner of all time in American sports. Now, I know what's going to happen. It's these garbage, and I mean some of them. Stephen A. is a good friend of mine. I like his show. But the other ones and some of the other shows that I don't like, these debate shows, they're going to go crazy on this. Jordan, Jordan, we got to retire Jordan. We got to retire Jordan. No, you don't. Uh, Jordan did not have the civil rights background of Bill Russell. Neither did Derek Jeter. Tiger Woods has had a big civil right path in his life. But it didn't, wasn't a guy marching like Bill Russell. All athletes have passions towards civil rights. All of them. Minority athletes. I, we know that. But Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, Rayford Johnson, those were athletes at a higher level, a much higher level than some of the other athletes. So I'm good with Bill Russell. I'm not good with anybody else. Now, the other debate would be, would you change the logo from Jerry West to Michael Jordan? 
That's an interesting debate, but I think it would be disrespectful to Jerry West because he's alive, he has the logo, and everybody loves the logo. But Michael Jordan was a better player than Jerry West, and that says a lot because West was a brilliant player. But what will they have to do for Michael Jordan if they're doing this for Jerry West as the logo and Bill Russell, the retirement on the number six? Nothing. Michael's a billionaire with a B. Michael's not looking for anything else. He owns private golf courses. He's got private jets, multiple. All the money he's making from Nike, he's been well compensated, and he deserves it all. But Bill Russell is a major loss, and a lot of people were talking about that at the Cliff Branch events that whole week. The guys who were hanging out with Mark Davis, because Mark knew Bill Russell well. Joe Morgan, who passed away, was great friends with Bill Russell. But George Atkinson, uh, George told me one night when we were hanging out on the patio, having a beverage about Bill Russell and their friendship. And George knew him for 50 years. 50 years he knew him. So congratulations to the Russell family. That is a high honor. High honor going forward, and I support that 100%. Good to have Bobby back as Bobby is here, and we're wrapping up today. Harry Ruiz will join us tomorrow. He'll take my spot, and then we'll be there Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. I don't know what it's going to look like. I know how beautiful the stadium is. I think I know what our setup will be like. But I don't know if you're tailgating or not. I don't know what the look is of the tailgates. I don't know what the black hole's doing. I'll call Cisco and the crew. And if you're going to be out there for a beverage and you're going to tailgate, it'd be good to see you out there. Uh, that's usually how I come through that gauntlet at the games in the back of J-Lot, which is right there on Russell when you get there. So I'm looking forward to that. So we got a big weekend, huge weekend here in town. Thanks to Rich Murata the founder of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. Thanks to Vince Sapienza from Fox 5. Dana Wagner was fantastic on the show. Really appreciate him coming on. And the Derek Carr press conference was one of the best I've heard him. Really loose, relaxed, and in a really good place. Q's coming up next. He's always at practice. He's always working. He's always grinding, and he's keeping us all on the air. As always, listen to his show. I will see you Sunday if you're going to the game at the Torch, if not Monday. Come on in and support Harry tomorrow. Light up the phone to him. And that's it. Second son off to college. Uh, Back on Monday. Hope to see you at the game on Sunday, everybody.